Whenever you're ready. And should I look there or anywhere? In situ. In situ. Yeah, it's uh, in situ, in situ, in situ, in situ. That is so good. In situ, in situ, in situ, in situ. Okay, so in situ. In situ is the name of the European platform for artistic creation in public space. Led by Lieu Public, we are based in Marseille, France. And in this podcast, you will hear the voices of our members who live and work all across Europe. Nature, social justice, cultural identity, digital spaces, communities, regeneration of places. Each episode will bring a specific topic of conversation between three of our members. A partner, an associate artist and an associate citizen. Uncommon Spaces is the name of our current project and we welcome you to the Institute podcast. In this episode, we will discuss the topic of nature. Andreas Goricznik is the associate citizen from La Strada Festival in Austria. James Raymore is our partner in this episode. He is a curator and producer for Ostfold International Theatre in Norway. And Tura Balschlev is the emerging artist of Metropolis by Copenhagen International Theatre in Denmark. This conversation was recorded remotely from behind our computers, so we asked all participants to start with a presentation of themselves, starting with our citizen, Andreas Goricznik. My name is Andreas Goricznik, uh, and I live in Karinze in Austria. I work as an architect and designer. Um, I have a team uh, called Breathe Earth Collective. Uh, we have five people working on air and climate. We're making projects in different scales. And um, I also work in the field of city development and cultural development in the city of Graz before. Um, and I also used to teach the last 10 years. As an associate citizen uh, at the network, I try to follow the ideas of the projects and try to find a way to give a perspective from my profession as an architect, how I think uh, on the public uh, space. And I'm also interested in how society reacts on the climate crisis and what may be the role of arts in this field. My name is James Moore. I am curator producer for Östfold International Theater. We are based in the city of Fredrikstad in Norway. With Östfold International Theater, we're using uncommon spaces and treating it as, uh, in a way, an artwork or an artistic undertaking in itself that is involving several artists and trying to look at them in relation to one another. Uh, Fredrikstad is located at the Delta region of the River Glomma, which is the longest river in Norway. So as a collection of biotopes. There's a, an awful lot of intersection because you're having some materials being transported from the deep inner regions of Norway, 
passing through Fredrikstad on their way to Oslo Fjord and out to the sea. But also Fredrikstad is by Norwegian standards a city, uh, but it's about 80,000 people. It's not very large, but it's very complex in its construction so that we were also not looking at nature isolated but we're trying to look at nature in relation to urban development, in relation to agriculture, in relation to industry, and then also in relation to uh, waste management and energy production, which in Fredrikstad are intimately related. So that uh, by having different artists, so we have several of the On Common Spaces associate artists and one other in situ artist that are in a program jointly, where they're using different methods and working within different contexts, some of them working across multiple contexts, and then we're trying to see how they uh, complement one another and how the inhabitants, ideally by experiencing different methods, different uh, relationships to the territory, uh, might hopefully reflect and maybe change some of the way we talk about these questions because the challenges that we're facing are, are both existential and global in character, but we have an awful lot of them very intimate, I mean physically intimately related to one another in Fredrikstad. So we're trying also to question how we are dealing with these. We can't solve all of it, but are we actually cognizant of the choices that we're making as a local society um, in how we deal with industry, how we deal with agriculture, how we deal with our waste management, how all of these things impact nature. My name is Tora Betslu. I'm a performance artist and dancer working in Denmark, based in Copenhagen. And I'm mainly working in the field of site-specific work as well as stage work, and very often focusing on matter, material or other life forms. I used to work at the university, at the Technical University, at the Institute for Architecture and Landscape. And I think there I developed my specific view on um, nature and on the connection between us human and this nature, or even the idea that we're at least a part of it and that we should not separate our culture from nature. For example, when we work at Breathe Earth Collective, we very often work with uh, network components in our work. We have uh, our colleague <laughs> or co-designer is the forest. So this is maybe interesting to see um, human and non-human uh, actors and having a, a cooperative design with these natural parts. And for me, it's very interesting that they also have a specific performance. And in this uh, point, it's maybe interesting to find uh, similarities or uh, a connection between the art and the performing art and see the, the nature with its own uh, performance, maybe a little bit slower <laughs> than a lot of performances we do as uh, artists, as, as humans. But um, yeah not to make so so very strong uh, cuts between humans and, and the nature. I think this question, how to connect to nature, that's really a key question for me, since 
that's perhaps, I think, the main task I'm trying to work on with my art. I'm thinking of myself as a white body in a developed society, but perhaps feeling not very developed in a sense. Um, and sensing that that is a skill that we, I don't know if we have lost it or we at least really lack it at the moment. I think that's also where the performance art really has a big force because we create experiences, lift experiences. And when, at least when it's like a participatorial work, the participants, they act, they do something. And it's like once you've done that and you have felt, you cannot go back. You've been there. You've connected with this part of nature or other life forms. And in this way, it becomes a training and it's really powerful and really strong and potential of the performing arts. So a good example could be like this Saturday. I, uh, I shared a work in one of the suburbs of Copenhagen and it's a city walk. It's called City Matters and it's about, you know, meeting, greeting, seeing the matters of the city with new eyes, you can say. Though we don't only use the eyes, we walk, we use the body, the hands, all kinds of senses. And um, it's a mix of knowledge. I'm talking about time, of the materials like clay, how it came from the earth and transported with the ice and how it's being produced and manufactured and now ended up in this brick wall. And um, also we talk about concrete, how it's actually an organic life form created by smaller creatures in the sea millions and millions of years ago. And same thing with asphalt. And with asphalt, I really go into it in a long sequence where I talk about it and then I make a dance. And then in this version on Saturday, I actually invited the audience to grab some actual asphalt pieces that I brought there and placed in the sculpture. And I invited them to, you know, bond with this asphalt. They could smell it, they could meditate with it while I was dancing. But then we also brought it with us into the studio. And this was a new version, so I'm very happy <laughs> about it and also curious still. And then we, uh, we kind of dived into it even deeper. So I asked the participants to meet one of the asphalt pieces in their way. They could use movements, senses, everything. And then afterwards to share that meeting with another audience without words. So we kind of asked them, do not perform, meet again, but share that you are meeting. And then in the end to share with words, how was that? And I'm still a little bit blown away about, you know, everybody said after, I didn't know that I could have a relation to asphalt this way. I haven't thought about it. It's an organic material. I didn't realize that this was old life, you know. And then we all laughed about, we will very soon all 
meet Asphalt again, just once when we exit from the studio. And we all have the possibility to bond with it every day. And I guess the reason I particularly like to work with a life form such as Asphalt is that it's kind of overseen. We park on it and then we go away and we we don't really linger. We don't stay there. And I kind of um, like to focus on spots where there's a potential. Whereas hugging a tree, it's kind of easy to feel this connection. So now this is something that we do, but we don't so much hug the asphalt yet. So that's my task. <laughs> the element that really stands out is this combination of a phenomenological exploration of place of materiality, but that is also founded on a kind of a sophisticated artistic or intellectual precept, but that also involves a dialogical character so that it really isn't just one passive observance, but the, the inhabitants engaged through an artistic practice are invited to engage themselves actively and in different ways so that uh, it can affect the individuals in various manners. Uh, and I mean, all of us as individuals are triggered by different stimulus. So I think that in that regard, Tuura's practice is very relevant or certainly similar to how a lot of the artists that we're inviting to Norway are also working, even though from one artist to the next, their methodologies can be radically different. One of the associate artists in Uncommon Spaces, Johannes Bellings, he's a Belgian artist based in Amsterdam. He's developed a concept for a border zone between the Öre Nature Reserve and the Frevar Waste Processing Facility and Energy Production Plant. And Frevar is a part of Öre Industrial Area where there's also an international shipping harbor. There's processing of both mineral materials and uh, food materials. And this is literally border against border with a nature reserve that's internationally significant for biodiversity and especially for uh, birds that are transiting back and forth from the north to the south, as well as a lot of local species. So there's over a hundred bird species living in the area. But what I understand is that still uh, already a substantial reduction of what kind of natural life there has been. But between the landfill operations for the waste processing facility and building out the harbor, it's changed the river trajectory. Um, and there's other, yeah, can you say, different questions involved. But then the idea is that there's already some watchtowers looking out over the nature reserve with their back to the waste processing facility. And so Johannes has developed a concept where there will be a series of what he's calling watchtowers, even though many of them will actually be embedded into the ground, where for one person at a time you walk a trail of these stations and you physically lean yourself in and you have a perspective right at the horizon line. So the first one begins actually out in the water and then you're moving from the nature reserve area and then into the waste processing facility. But at any given point, if you change your perspective, 
you're observing one or the other. There will be speakers, so we've been doing sound recordings of the area, and his sound designer will make uh, different soundscapes so that you'll have a, a physical experience of both the sound and the place. And the idea is through seven or eight of these stations, which are spread over about a two-kilometer territory, you'll successively go further and further into a, a bodily and a phenomenological experience of place, but that hopefully will invite a wide range of questions, reflections about how these biotopes are affecting one another and the implications for our, the waste of our modern lives for the rest of the nature. I have one uh, project we did in our team two years ago. We um, made little sensing spaces where you can have a microclimate and even better air quality. And when we made this uh, installation, we found out that the, the people started to discuss about nature, about environment, about climate. And um, so we decided to follow a call for a project for the uh, cultural year in Graz. Graz is the second largest city in Austria. And um, we designed a pavilion where it's a kind of a sensing space. In the middle you have, a, an, I say, an artificial forest. It's not an artificial forest, it's a real plant, but it's a built forest. Uh, in the moment when it's built, it's starting performing like a normal forest. And um, we put a second uh, element to this installation. And this second element is that we named the whole uh, project Climate Culture Pavilion. So we have the idea of a climate culture, of an evolving, of an upcoming new culture as the reaction on this uh, climate crisis or even biodiversity crisis and social uh, problems or whatever. We think we need uh, places for discussing and practicing climate culture. We made an open call and we got um, about 50 different, as it was, this project was open for half a year and um, the pavilion is just to have a, a, a picture in, in your head, uh, about 18 uh, meters in the diameter and in the middle you have a forest about 100 square meter. I was looking on it and I thought, look this pavilion, it's not so expensive. One of these should stand in every bigger city in Europe and we maybe rise our awareness and rise our perspective on what culture should uh, develop in the next decade, in the next uh, years. And because I'm really struggling with this input, for example, from Sir David Attenborough. Maybe you know him, Sir David Attenborough. He's a natural filmer and he made films about nature and biodiversity and also about facts, climate uh, uh, change. And he really said, look, what we do in this decade, yeah? he, he means from 2020 to 2030, 
will define the way of life, not only our human life, but the whole life on this planet. So for me, it's a very dense time. And my main question is, in this round and, and next to in situ is, I would like to discuss what is the role of art and performing art in this decade. So if we see that the, the art always changing, for example, if, if we look back to 19th century, art was different. If you look to the beginning of the 20th century, art was different. If you look to, to, uh, to 1968, art was different. Art was one of the leading yeah, to, to a cultural revolution. And when I look to this 21st century, for me, it's not the role is not so clear to this revolution. And so this is what I've struggled with and what I really want to discuss with all of you. Because when I come back to this project, it's a new space. It's absolutely new. And every project I hear is opening a new perspective on our relationship. And there's a lot of work to do. I think Andreas's example of the pavilion is really beautiful and inspiring as an example of what I think is also needed in this time. And what strikes me there is the word open. And I think this lines up really beautifully with some of my own inspirations. Um, Bruno Latour and Nikolai Schulz, they last year released a book um, which calls on the ecological class. And what they say is, we need an ecological culture. We need to form that. And that's where art has a potential. Or that's where we really need art in order to change things. And what they say is that the ecological and the sustainability wave or force, it has a lot of negatives. Like we have to stop using energy and we have to do less of this and that and so on. And this is not really something that you can fight for, they argue. It's not a positive value that you can like hold in your heart and be a hero and go out and fight for it. <laughs> so they kind of wish to turn this around and say, we need, we need to, you know, create values that people can feel for and act for, not against. And this really speaks to me. I think that makes a lot of sense. And also, they argue, this is where art has a potential. And um, I think that rings really right. Also for me, with the stuff I'm working with, um, bonding with nature, like creating, that's your initial question about how do we connect with nature? Just that connecting with nature, that creates a value, a positive, something you gain, like, ah, I didn't know I could have a relation with, you know. So then that's family, that's kin, that's something very positive created. And you don't question that when you experience it. And you do experience in the performance art. So I think this is really key to create a broader culture that various art forms can do this. And I mean, I love new formats, artistic formats. But I think this is actually also where the example of this open call is really beautiful. Because yes, I think we need new formats, but we also need to be a lot of people to 
um, to open up to that everyone is really welcome and needed. And maybe it's not so much about which or what art form is right, but that we have to, you know, activate everybody. And I think that is what is so beautiful about your call, Andreas, that, you know, you just acknowledge a lot of people are concerned about this, a lot of people are doing this, and everybody's welcome, you know, come up to our pavilion. And I think that's also the strength of the way Latour and Schultz are talking about that we have to rise as an ecological culture and to kind of be more than just individual artists working very specific ways that individual artists can also support each other like you're taking the role as a curator and making an open space for something that then generates other people's actions we are able to, to rise uh, the biodiversity in our surroundings by how we build cities or how we build a house it's uh, it's making it richer. So we should see us as making nature richer, not to destroying it. Because I made a lot of research with my students um, of solutions, how in agriculture, in, in also in waste management, um, like cradle or this stuff, how it, there are possibilities to change the systems and then value is created by that you can you can be a part of it and you don't only have to be a consumer getting out of, of a very passive uh, situation to very to, to find the connections uh, by not only by the senses by having the, the the consciousness of how it's working or the beauty whatever but also be able to be connected and be productive with nature this is maybe interesting. And as an architect, I, I really work in the field um, to try to connect uh, and see everything as a material. Not only here is the house and pff, put some soil there. The soil is a living organism and every stone is interesting, whatever. Yeah? And when I teach, I, I, I teach the, the students that we have a whole palette of and that we're integrating into a living environment and whatever we do is making changing is it, it changing the, the the flow of life but it should not uh, stop uh, the life in this uh, area by only making asphalt because but <laughs> today i learned asphalt can also be a very interesting uh, uh, material yeah but I don't think that the people want to destroy this planet, but they are not able to make some uh, good decisions or support the good waste system or having enough knowledge about it. So this is what was also before that we have a lot of people. Yeah? And when, I, for example, when I see the lot of people here in Austria gluing them on the on the ground, on the asphalt, and asphalt again. <laughs> um, uh, for me, this one and a half year now, and it, it's it make a lot of um, consciousness. But there are a lot of people struggling with this climate codes and climate activists 
And I would like to see a culture of different strategies, yeah, not only gluing, but whatever. If I see asphalt with Taurus eyes, maybe it would become a different protest. I'm just curious if this stop is really a stop or if you have fragments of ideas of other ways of gluing that um, came to you. I think for me as an artist, it's really something I'm thinking a lot about. How do I use my time most sufficient? Because um, if I go more into activism, I will spend a lot of time doing that. So for now at least, I chose to work in the arts in this more perhaps new phenomenological format. And then what I see is that my audiences are quite small. But then quite often, you know, when I go back to a place where I've been performing or sharing something, then the person arranging often say, ah, there's someone coming who was here last time and they told me it changed their life or changed their view on something, you know. And it's my sensation that this way of working that I do, which is somehow quite gentle, but with this experience-based format, it really has the potential to transform and to change because people are experiencing something being different than they thought. So I think for me, at least at the moment, that's kind of where I feel somehow I have the biggest impact. That I work with very small audiences, but I experience that I can actually take them quite far and make a change. I think, uh, especially in in my role, at least in in the framework of this conversation, uh, my experience also is that often the more intimate and more involved artistic experiences, like Torda is describing, are more impactful. But of course, the volume uh, requires that we're also able to sustain these activities durationally to have enough people come in and have these types of experiences. And the, you could say the commodified nature of cultural experience is in conflict with this. Uh, so that the idea of how our mass culture, trying to amuse our mass humanity, uh, that there's so much of a focus on gathering lots of people at the same time and feeling like that is impactful but oftentimes that's just another momentary amusement among many. So that I think for me, part of the challenge is how we can really cultivate, curate, uh, realize artistic works that really create a more unique personal experience, but that also requires rethinking how we can do that in a world that doesn't prioritize arts and culture economically, or even also with time. So I think that's one of the big challenges that we have is how to be able to focus on impact and sustain that even if it's not massive in scale. Uh, a last comment, I guess, that just somehow sits with me a lot through this also is how, how do we define nature? What do we mean by nature and as opposed to what? Uh, because I think also in Norway, one of the challenges we have is if you navigate through this long north-south axis of the country, it appears incredibly lush, very vibrant, very natural, 
when in fact the level of biodiversity, depending on what you would call a quality of nature, is incredibly poor. Because so much of the landscape has been harvested, replanted in a way that appears very healthy and vibrant. But in fact, the flip side of the climate crisis, which I think doesn't get nearly enough attention, is the loss of diversity among species of all different kinds. That is also necessary for the nature to really be sustainable for dynamic life on Earth. So I still don't have solutions for that per se, but that's some of the next steps of, again, how do we define, how do we perceive our surroundings in a way that maybe reveal what isn't obvious on the surface. That can be both in nature, quote unquote, or in the urban center. And right now, our societal structure is designed to distance people from what's happening with the byproducts of all of our material privilege, at least in this part of the world. So one of the things is rather than trying to lecture or instruct people is to invite through different experience, through different kinds of engagement, a way of gaining maybe other insights into how we're dealing with this here. Rosalie Gonzalez and Wafa Mesbawi have been coordinating this podcast. And Jeanne Robet has been editing it. This podcast is co-founded by the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation. 